Once again, some 20,000 Canadians marched in front of our Parliament in Ottawa to take a stand for life. This is the largest annual gathering in Parliament Hill in this country. But does it get noticed by the press? Not at all. Usually, it gets a next-day mention in the daily Ottawa papers as a, quote, small group of anti-abortion protesters. But what a great opportunity to speak about the issues, about the fact that Canada is the only country in the Western world that does not have an abortion law. Not that abortion is legal, it's that there is no law because the legislators are too scared to go there and politicians won't touch it with a 10-foot pole. So there is no law to protect the unborn, but also no law to protect the doctors and, and the parents, effectively making anything and everything legal. Why not also speak about how we are closer and closer to making Canada a country where it's okay to kill people just because they are old, disabled or depressed? We pride ourselves in the fact that we stand for life when it's about capital punishment or the war in Iraq or when there is an earthquake in Nepal, and, and those are all important. But if we don't defend and protect all life, from conception to natural death, then we are not really protecting and defending any life. Here's to the ones who marched in Ottawa last Thursday, to the ones who marched in Rome with the Pope last week, the ones who march in Washington every January, and to those who march everywhere for life. May we one day live in a world where all life is sacred and protected and all human persons have the same rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, no matter what their stage of development is. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. Welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour that you're listening to either over the internet or on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. You can also listen to the Salt and Light Hour on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, the Barriga Radio Network, the Land Radio Network, WJTA Holy Family Radio in Ohio, and on the Relevant Radio Network. The Salt and Light Hour is also now on your Salt and Light Roku channel. If you'd like to learn how to get Salt and Light on your Roku, just visit us at saltandlighttv.org. Today, Sister Marie Paul Curley returns to talk about a new superhero movie. That's in about 15 minutes, just after our news and Andrew's Saint of the Week. And after Windows to the Soul, Father Tom Rosica has a reflection for the Feast of the Ascension. This is a feast that is traditionally celebrated on the sixth Thursday after Easter, because it's 40 days after Easter. But in many places, like in Canada, it is celebrated on the Sunday. In our second half hour, we'll be continuing our mini-series on marriage and family by listening to part of a conversation I had with Deacon Eustace Bossolet and his wife Gloria. They told me about going through an annulment process as well as what it's like to have their adult daughter and her family living at home with them. That's in about half an hour. And after that, we'll end the program by speaking with our featured artist of the week, Joe Morales. We first spoke with Joe in November 2013, and now he has a new album, Five. So he'll be joining us to tell us all about that. Let's begin with a song then. Here is Joe Morales with Church Downtown from his new album, Five. Working this nine to five Man, this ain't the life It's only Monday morning Man, I wish it was Saturday night We'll be under the city 
was Joe Morales with Church Downtown from his new album, Five. And we're going to be speaking with Joe Morales at the end of the program. And in about 10 minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. She's going to talk about a superhero movie. So before that, uh, but before that, Stefan is here with our news. I was going to ask you, you know, if you're into superheroes, but maybe that's totally digression. Well, if you get me talking about superheroes, we won't talk about the news. No, we won't. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, largest annual gathering in on Parliament Hill in Ottawa took place last week. It did indeed. The, the annual March for Life in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, it takes place every year. It's not quite as big as the U.S. March, no. uh, but... The United States has 10 they times the population. but uh, cheaper airfares. That they do. <laughs> yes. uh, but the March for Life is really a major, major event here in Canada. Uh, the it's fo- substantial this year because? Because we have an election coming up this year. Right. Uh, and the theme of the event is Vote for Life. Mm-hmm. So there's a real emphasis on, uh, on ensuring that uh, when people vote for politicians, they ensure that they are in support of life uh, from conception until natural death, both of which are major issues in the country today. Yes, yes. yes. And not all politicians are open to uh, maybe communicating that with, with the church or church leaders, um, as we had politicians from other countries. This is a good segue. Because we had a Cuban politician. We did. Uh, Last Sunday, we had uh, President Raul Castro visit uh, Pope Francis. Uh, It was a very private meeting. Secret. I don't know if I'd go so far as secret. But it was very private. It was just, it was in the, uh, in sort of an upstairs study at the Paula VI audience hall. Uh, And the two met sort of ahead of... Uh, Francis's visit to Cuba, which we found out will be the 19th to the 22nd of September. Mm-hmm. Um, the big news coming out of this meeting uh, was Raul Castro's comments after the meeting. Uh, he said he was so impressed with Francis that if uh, if the church continues to go the way it is, uh, he will start praying again and <laughs> start going to Mass again, which for any communist leader uh, of any striper brand is uh, a pretty huge statement to make interesting interesting so the 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 vatican and the pope as as historically always happening um making helping make political change the word pontiff does mean bridge builder bridge builder absolutely and not just with cuba with the middle east what's happening with, with palestine well, uh, the Vatican uh, concluded some meetings on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the year 2000, uh, the, the Vatican and the state of Palestine uh, signed a basic agreement uh, towards sort of recognizing each other. Uh, now, just sort of to get the framework going, 
They've been recently working on a more comprehensive agreement, as the church does with uh, all the states it has relations with, to ensure uh, the church's place in the country, the rights the church has, Mm -hmm. uh, and everything that goes with it. Um, They have, it appears, uh, decided on an agreement. Mm -hmm. And if this should go ahead to be signed, which there's no reason to say it shouldn't, the Holy See will uh, recognize Palestinian statehood. Uh, yeah, which is huge. What does that mean uh, <laughs> about the relationship between the Vatican and Israel? Well, Israel's yeah. already come out uh, saying Against that, that, this. that this is a, this yes. is certainly a move that detracts from the peace process, yes. um, which is not unexpected. Uh, but the church has uh, essentially been referring to Palestine as the state of Palestine yes, uh, for, for over long for quite a while now. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to remember a lot of Palestinians are Catholic. And definitely many of them are Christian, um, as is not the case, apparently, with a lot of people in the United States. This this is true. Uh, Pew Research uh, put out a, uh, a survey they've been working on for a while uh, this week. It was conducted uh, middle of last year. And it has indicated that for the first time in history, there are more atheists and agnostics in the United States hmm. than there are Catholics. Interesting. So uh, there's been an overall decline in Christianity. Yes. Uh, we've seen, and this is where the real sort of the real shocking number comes, is that in the last seven years, uh, the Christian population in the United States has decreased by 8%, uh-huh. which is very significant. Yeah. Uh, the Catholic population has dropped about 3%. And uh, you see that... Uh, amongst young Catholics, we have a replacement issue where Catholics make up just over 20% of the population. Mm-hmm. Only 16% of uh, those 18 to 24 are identifying as Catholic. Interesting. I think in Canada is what, 40% that they ad- identify as Catholic, whatever that means. Um, interesting. A lot of our listeners are in the United States, so I'd be curious to hear what they have to say about this. You can write to us, uh, certainly through Facebook or Twitter or through our direct voice message app that we have on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Perhaps uh, these Americans who are questioning their Catholic faith should speak with Raul Castro. <laughs> How's that? Um, thank you, Stefan, for the, for the update this week. You're welcome. Our news producer, Stefan Slovak. You can watch Stefan on Salt and Light TV Mondays through Thursdays on his daily update, Perspectives. You can also watch him on demand at saltandlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel. Hi, this is Sarah Hart, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with the very awesome Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me at deaconpedro.com and also on Facebook. Just search for Deacon Pedro, and my Twitter handle is at deaconpedrogm. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew, Deacon welcome Pedro, back. how are you? I am good, thank you. Are you all ready for the Feast of the Ascension? Yes, absolutely. That's one of my favorite feasts in the church. Yeah, that me too. Pentecost. Me too, me too. Absolutely. Oh man, Easter, it never ends. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So you got all these feasts kind of wrapped up into one big celebration in the church. Amen. So, you know, we need to be people of joy, and this is the time to have some joy. Uh, amen. So, we are Easter people. So who's our, our, our saint? Yeah, um, I thought we would look at St. Brendan. Whose feast day is actually today? It's Saturday, May, Saturday, May, 16th. May the sixteenth. I don't know anything about Saint Brendan. Yeah, you know what? We know that Saint Brendan is Irish. I know he yep. has a uh, he has a huge part to play in you know the Irish Catholic world, so to yep. speak. So I thought I would kind of take a look, um, take a look at his biography, see what he's all about. Okay, tell us. Okay, so the reason why I like Saint Brendan when looking at his story, Deacon Pedro, is that he's 
he's known as a very great traveler. He uh-huh. has a really good reputation on traveling a lot. That's something that I like to do. So um, of all the Irish saints that there are in the church, Brendan was the greatest traveler. Mm-hmm. We know that he was possibly born, hopefully I'm saying this right, near Trolley. Okay. Okay. And um, he was baptized by Bishop Irk, who ensured that a year later, uh, Brendan was delivered into the ca- into the care of Saint Ida at Killity. Okay. So at the age of six, uh, Brendan returned to Bishop Irk, who undertook his education for several years before indulging the boy's desire to travel and study under other people. So um, Bishop Irk asked only that um, he could perform his student's ordination as a priest and uh, Brendan returned for this ceremony. Mm-hmm. So among the Irish saints that Brendan visited, you may know them, you may not know them. Um, we've got Finian of Clonard, we've got Enda of Arran, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, yeah. and Jarlath of Tuam. Okay, okay, never heard of any of them. Yeah, so from an early age, Brendan really um, attracted disciples, and he went on throughout the country of Ireland to establish a number of monasteries. The most famous monastery, I don't know if you had the chance to see this, um, were you at the Congress? No, I, I've never been to Ireland. No, I was not able to go. Okay, so the most famous was Clonfort, mm-hmm. um, which was founded around the year 560, and that was really towards the end of St. Brendan's life. So Clonfort became really, um, in history, one of Ireland's greatest monastic schools, and it lasted right up until the 16th century. Mm-hmm. Today, St. Brendan's Cathedral in Clonfort is really renowned and noted for its magnificent, if you've ever seen it, I have it myself, its magnificent Romanesque doorway. Hmm. Brendan also founded a convent um, at Ardendown, um, over which his sister Brig presided. Yeah. Um, many landmarks of Western Ireland are really named after this saint. So, you know, St. Brendan is a huge part of the culture in Ireland, including Mount Brandon. Right. All right. So, you know, we celebrate his feast day on May the 16th, and uh, St. Brendan really is not just celebrated by Roman Catholics today. Um, He's also celebrated by Anglicans as well as Orthodox uh, Christians. So, St. Brendan, pray for us. Um, We look to him um, as really one of the 12 apostles of Ireland. Oh, good. Yeah. And you've made me think that if there are 12, and you named a, a whole other Irish saints there that I'm sure nobody has heard of, we should do a whole little series on Irish saints. Maybe some of our listeners have some, some favorite Irish saints that they want to tell us about. Send us uh, messages. Let us know which who is your favorite Irish saint, and Andrew's going to unpack that saint for us. Don't forget, we also know who's one of the most famous Irish saints. Oh, well. St. Patrick. St. Patrick, of course. Yeah, Everybody knows but, about uh, St. Patrick. St. Brendan a, packs a punch he gets when a parade. you read his story. Yes, there's no St. Brendan parade, but maybe, maybe somewhere. Anyway, yeah, so... St. Brendan's the navigator. Thank you very much, Andrew Santos. Uh, our saint expert, Andrew Santos, uh, is the youth director at St. Justin Martyr Parish uh, in Markham, Ontario. Hi, this is Trevor Thompson, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. God bless you. My name is Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash slradio one And when you're there, be sure to like our page. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. Good to be here. So you went to see the the superhero movie, the only one that's out right now, so I guess The Avengers. Yes, I did. Age of Ultron. And it's a whopping 141 minutes. (laughs) Wow. So it was quite the experience. And 
You know, I, I didn't grow up with comic book, uh, reading comic books, but mm-hmm. I have to say I've enjoyed so many of the superhero movies that have come out in the past, like, 20, 20 years. But I do want to start talking about the film with just this little caveat, that yeah. comic book movies do have a problem, and they always offer, vi- almost always, offer violence as a solution to every problem. Right. And while that might be okay in occasional small doses, it's really problematic when you look at the genre as a whole and when you look at the stories that our culture tells as a whole. So I just want to say that. And um, and I bring that up especially because Avengers Age of Ultron is more violent than the first Avengers film. Um, of mm-hmm. course, it's comic book violence, but it's still there. So I just want to add that as a caveat at the beginning. The basic storyline of Avengers Age of Ultron is that there is an artificial intelligence made from human and alien ingenuity, which is in- originally intended to protect humanity and bring about peace. But it becomes the supervillain Ultron who decides to destroy humanity in the interest of bringing about peace. The only way for peace is to destroy humanity altogether. Now, there's a lot more to this story, but I told myself I'm going to do this review without doing any spoilers. So hopefully I can pull that off. Good, because I haven't seen it. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, Artistically, this film is amazing because it takes on so much and it doesn't fail or falter. The director, who also helped to write the script, Joss Whedon, is brilliant when he creates both great action movies and great character development. And you have to keep in mind, he's working with not just the six Avenger characters in the first film, like Iron Man, Hulk, Black Widow, Captain America, Thor, and Hawkeye, but he adds several new major characters and a couple of really great moments in character development. So the action, the plot, the development, they're all woven together in a story that is tremendously enjoyable, uh, definitely nail-biting action scenes, mm-hmm. and, and some deeper character moments, because one of the, in one moment of the film, many of the Avengers must confront their deepest fears and make a choice to be better than the evil they are fighting. Uh, I also really liked the fact that this is a pro-life film. You know, the Avengers really come down on the side of life, the beauty and the value of human life, and that's, that's really beautiful. Good. Um, now, as with any comic book movie, um, but perhaps more so in this one, everything's over the top. And while that's very enjoyable, I, I found this movie a bit too bloated, probably because Joss Whedon's probably reaching too far, trying to do a little bit too much. You know, he's, he's also, uh, you know, he's setting up several more movies. He's keeping up with the television series. There's just a lot going on. Right. And in some places the character development doesn't really work that well, or the plot was so convoluted that I just didn't care about it anymore. Also, some of the Avenger characters are less likable. Uh, We see how vulnerable they are in their struggle with evil, um, but they make the same mistake twice, and it's a really devastating mistake. Uh, And they're struggling with the evil within and their fears within. The the view of humanity is much bleaker in this film. You know, it's nowhere near the dark tones of something like, you know, the Batman's The Dark Knight. But it does have a bleak view, not just of the heroes, but also of the future and of humanity. Mm -hmm. And there's also a problematic uh, new character in the film who kind of takes over the lead of the Avengers in the middle, and that felt really problematic to me because it kind of stops the Avengers' growth as a group and even as for some of the individuals. And, you know, it, it just didn't feel like a great choice to me. Hmm. But one of the great things about the film is that it brings in the big questions. You know, what is a person? Can humanity be saved? And who is God? 
there were lots of references to faith in the film. You know, Ultron is the you know, super villain, and when he's initially reviewing the state of humanity, they actually stuck in a, a shot of Pope Francis. Really? Uh, there's, yeah, there's a reference made in very poor taste to robots multiplying as fast as Catholic rabbits, which hmm. I really winced at. There's also a lot of direct biblical references, um, but for the most part, they were problematic because it's the supervillain who uses these references as ways to support his desire to destroy humanity. So uh, the, the religious references were actually a bit on the disturbing side. But the fact that he takes these, these, this great story and these great questions and weaves them together artistically, so they really work together, is, is very challenging and very, very well done. Hmm. So I would recommend, you know, for, for those who want to see the film, or, you know, and, and for teenagers who want to see the film, it'd be great to go with a parent, someone with a philosophical or theological background that can help, like, unpack some of these big ideas. You know, I think the film gets, you know, it seems to me that the film has a couple of contradicting messages. It's saying that humanity is doomed no matter what we do, that biblical religion is a destructive force on humanity's path. Uh, you know, and this is very much, you know, philosophically, according to the, you know, Nietzschean philosophy. But another interpretation would be that if we have technology as our God, which is kind of implied in the film, then humanity is doomed. And actually, that's true, because technology is a false God. Mm -hmm. So the more we hold up technology as our salvation, you know, then, of course, we are looking at a very bleak future. Hmm. And then you have the victory of the Avengers against the evil artificial intelligence. After all, it's a comic book film. But the undercurrent of meaning in a final conversation with the AI hints that humanity is beautiful because of its commitment to life, but doomed anyway. So, you know, for young people like my nephew who stayed up past midnight to discuss this film with me, <laughs> um, some people will love the way these deep questions are explored. And it's, this film is definitely worth a thoughtful viewing, but it's, you know, it's a good film to keep our, hat, our thinking hats on you know, and our faith so that we can engage with these deeper questions in a way that really strengthens our faith and helps us to you know, come to a deeper appreciation of the hope that our faith you know, and, and a Redeemer such as Christ who, who, you know, is, who loves the world, uh, who loves us and wants to bring us to salvation, so that that becomes um, deepened in us. So it's a great film to look at deeper values, um, but some of the religious references are, are disturbing. And, uh, and the fact that they're always used in support of the bad guy, mm, right. you know, that was like, oh, no. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Rem rem I, I think that it's good to remember that what you keep saying, that it's, it's a comic book. Uh, <laughs> but it's good mm -hmm. that they're asking, that's, uh, you know, that's fil great films ask great questions. They don't always have the right answers, but they are good, very good at asking the right questions. And, and so that's, uh, I think that's good. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. I, I applaud the questions and the way the questions are woven into the story. It makes it very mm -hmm. engaging and, you know, you will not be bored even though it's two hours and 20 minutes. Good, good. I look forward to watching it and I hope uh, our listeners now also have some tips as to how to watch it with their kids. So thank you very much. Thank Sis you, Deacon Pedro. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com and you can also follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hey, I'm Sarah Kroger and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
The angel's words to the men of Galilee in the first reading for the Feast of the Ascension are painfully blunt and leave little room for misinterpretation. Why do you stand here looking up at the skies? This Jesus who's been taken from you will return just as you saw him go up to the heavens. As Jesus disappeared, he didn't simply dissolve into thin air. He cast off limitations that he had voluntarily taken on himself. But for us, that means that he has left us here as orphans. Or has he? On the day of his ascension, one might conclude that Jesus removed himself into a new form of divine exclusion. The case is exactly the opposite. In God, Jesus is here in a new and very specific way. Only in his physical separation from the historical scene can his spiritual union with all the world for all time be complete. Jesus left the world one day in order to be available to all people throughout all time. He had to dissolve bonds he had made with his friends in order to be available for everybody. In Jesus, the future has already begun. In his ascension, Jesus made a commitment to the earth that we inhabit. His footprints are not etched for tourists to view in the stone beneath us, but they are visible in the hearts of those who follow him. As he gave up the ability to be present in one place, he gained the capability of being present in a thousand places. When Jesus vanished, he filled the earth with the presence of God. God's presence is still here and is available for us as the ultimate fulfillment of all of our dreams. We know that we move towards heaven to the extent that we approach Jesus. We are assured that he hasn't ever stopped being present with us throughout all time. And through us, he wants to become even more present, especially as his church. The mysterious Feast of the Ascension reminds us that Christ accepts our lack of self-confidence in ourselves. He accepts the shadowy and dark areas of our humanity. He accepts our capacity for deceit, betrayal, greed, and power. And having accepted us, he calls us, gives us the eternal commission to be his people, and sends us to serve him and love him in spite of ourselves and because of ourselves. In the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles for the feast, Jesus' disciples are given a last bit of instruction. Don't keep trying to stare into the future. Don't be overly concerned about which hour he will come back. We must not stand idly staring up into the heavens and moaning about the past about which we can do nothing except to bury it deeply in God's hands and heart. The Lord will be glorified and it follows that his disciples will also share in his glory. Let's get going then and carry a piece of heaven into the world. This is the meaning of the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord. Not one of divine abandonment of the human cause, but divine empowerment of the gospel dream. May Christ dying and rising move us to make God's glory dwell on earth. May our hope for the future inspire us in a respect for the present moment. And may the desire for the heavenly realities not make us neglect our work on earth. Father Thomas Rosica, a Basilian priest, is the chief executive officer of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and the executive producer of this program. You can follow him at Father Rosica. Coming up in our second half hour, marriage, family, and annulments and our featured Artist of the Week, Joe Morales. So don't go anywhere.
hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. We continue today with our series on marriage and family. Earlier this month, I spoke with Deacon Eustace Bussolet and his wife, Gloria. Eustace and Gloria are from St. Lucia, and they spoke to me about their early days of marriage, as well as how they're doing now as grandparents. We are very much aware of the mistakes we made, especially with regard to parenting. Uh-huh. Um, because like I said before, um, I'm all about the kids. So when the children came, I mean, my, my focus of attention was clearly on the children. I mean, mm. this was it. I did everything with them, and mom was just sort of in the background, you know? Yeah. And I think that was a drastic mistake. Because and in, in that you were putting your children before your marriage. Yes, yes, And actually, yes. when we got together, my first daughter must have been about two, three years old. Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. And Eustace was just in love with this yeah, little girl. Yeah. Yes, yes. So it's always been the children, yeah, the children, yeah, the children. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there was no, no, the, the fact that she was Gloria's daughter from a previous marriage was not, didn't create a, a, a oh, stress oh, or Oh, I, f- I fell in love with her. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I fell in love no, with her. No, it's yeah. never been a struggle. No. No. Okay. Yeah. Now, Gloria, since Eustace brought it up, so he was focusing on the children, mm-hmm. and he's admitted that that, maybe he was neglecting his marriage. How, what were you feeling at the time? Neglect? <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't exactly say it as bluntly as neglect. It wasn't neglect. It's just that if anyone knows Eustace, he's overkill when it comes to children. He spoils them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been the disciplinarian. Yeah. Yeah. I guess taking after my father, things should be like this, like this. Right. You know. So he was the good cop and you were the bad cop. That's right. So, That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where my little daughter one day said to my son on the table, fix your legs, the wicked witch of the West is coming. <laughs> That's how they considered me, you know. The yeah. So the, okay, so then did you, did you have that conversation at some point? How um, did you address? Well, we addressed it um, not directly with respect to talking to each other, mm-hmm. but like I said, we became aware of it and we are trying to, to correct it as we worked through it, um, helping the engaged couples attend the marriage preparation right. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you discovered it by yes, helping other Yeah, couples. because basically um, we realized that the friendship we had was eroding mm-hmm. because of my attention to the children. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to know her or to spend time with her as much as I should have. Right. And clearly that's a mistake. One of the best advice I got, and I got this before I was married, and I think it's probably the same advice you give couples now, right. is that the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love, love their mother. Y- yes, yes. So the marriage yeah. comes first, so you would agree with that. Yes. As a matter of fact, one of the very pertinent questions we have um, on the focus instrument dealing with the marriage preparation course, we ask the couples, um, which would be your preference, your parenting skills or your marital relationship? Which, which would you focus on more? And most of, the cu- most of the couples, they clearly proudly say, oh, our parenting skills, you know? And of course, then we explain to them that that could be a, mm-hmm. a problem. Interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting, most of the couples I meet, it's the mother who focuses more on the kids mm-hmm. and, is, and, and mm-hmm. ne- neglects, if I can use that word, the husband. Mm-hmm. But it's, so it's interesting mm-hmm. to see the roles mm-hmm. reversed here. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk a little bit about your... So you were married, you had gone through a separation, mm-hmm. there had to be an annulment. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that process mm-hmm. and how... Painful. Painful. It is painful yeah, for a lot yeah, of people. It is painful. Yeah, it is. Because although I have to admit that the sisters 
who really interviewed me during the time of the annulment, mm -hmm. they were very kind and very accommodating. And you know, if you choked up at any time or was in yes. tears, they would take a time out mm -hmm. and give you a cup of tea or something and bring you back into perspective. You know, yeah. they were very, very accommodating, I must say, and this helped a lot. But it was a long process. It very long. Very, very it's long. a long process yeah. for the annulment. It wasn't the late. This was the. Uh, in the late 70s, we yeah, started, it was, started the it process. Was the yeah. early 70s. Maybe early, just, yeah. just from a practical point of view, for people who are not familiar with the annulment process or for people who are hesitant about the annulment process, can you explain a little bit how, not from a personal point of view, but just practically how it works? Well, why is it such a long process? Well, basically, I guess that the reason why you go through the annulment is because you, re you want to be in full communion with the Catholic Church mm -hmm. and uh, being divorced, obviously, um, according to the 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 the, the, the um, kind of law we cannot practice uh, we can't receive holy communion yes and so um, the the initial process would be approaching the priest and have him make the application on your behalf okay and the priest would send the documents um, signed documents down yeah, to the, the chancery office to the um, to the tribunal tribunal mm -hmm. tribunal and um, they would um, sort of contact the um, the um, I guess there is uh, the person who's making the application would have to give information about his or her spouse, yes. address, mm -hmm. phone numbers, because the tribunal would have to contact that person. Right. And they also need to get in touch with other persons who have known the couple Witnesses. as a married right. couple Witnesses. for a number of years. Yeah. Absolutely. So they can attest to what to went whether, wrong. Whether it was Justified, the validity or yes. the invalidity of that, that uh, the, the, the marriage. Yeah. 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 yeah, I had two witnesses. Yeah, yeah. I had to have two witnesses. Yeah. So that's a male who would have known my ex closely mm -hmm. and a female for a number of years. Yeah. Number of years. Yeah. 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 Who knew you? Who knew me, yeah. Okay. Wh yeah. While, while, while you're married. While right. married. Not prior. Right, while exactly. Um, just to recap a little bit, so the annulment process, it's a long process because you have to contact people who you may not be in contact with or in another country, so that's why it's drawn out, it's yes. painful because yeah. the circumstances are sometimes painful. And keep in mind, you also have to relive or to revisit the yeah, circumstances exactly. around, you know, the, you know, yeah. And then just as a note, so the, basically what the tribunal is doing is determining whether that marriage was valid at the time of consent. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And I, I presume in your case it was considered mm -hmm. that the mm -hmm. consent was not valid. That's right. So 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 you're free to, granted, to, yeah. to to marry again. Yeah. Now you came into this marriage with a daughter. Mm -hmm. Um the daughter still, now that she's grown up and married, still lives with you. Yeah. With yeah. her family. That's right. What, what how did that come about? And tell us a little bit about that that dynamic. Because that's different too. Well we are parents who um we don't. We um. We tend not to be in a hurry to get rid of our children. <laughs> okay. And our daughter lived in the U.S. for a while. Her husband is American. Yeah. And at one point they were planning on coming back home. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I built an apartment downstairs. Mm, there was apartment. a rec room, yeah, so I got busy. I got busy, and I, I I built an apartment to accommodate them, and uh, they've been with us ever since. Good. Helps helps with uh, keep you company. And uh, <laughs> and the um, and the rationale behind that too is uh, the love I have for our first granddaughter. Yeah. I wanted to keep her as close to home as possible. So so sorry, this daughter and her they have one two children. Two two, two, two children. Two girls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two girls. Yes, yes. Yeah, one is yeah. nineteen and the other is 12. eleven. Twelve. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. So having having some 
I mean, essentially, she's your daughter, but it's a different family living in the same home as you, even that's though right. they have a separate apartment. That's not the same. So it doesn't it's seem so. It's the same case. home. It's yeah, the same it's the same home. family. Yeah. They're upstairs yeah, all they're, over the yeah, house. So how now? What if you're you? don't agree with your daughter's parenting or your son-in-law's parenting. No, oh, she no. is. We very respectful. You haven't had that. No, no. Well, she's an angel, I have yeah, to tell you. She beautiful. is a beautiful <laughs> yeah, daughter. Yeah. No, I'm not just saying yeah. so because she's my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she is, really is patient, yeah. Yeah. kind, yeah. everything you, a man would want in a wife. Yeah, when she, she disciplines her children, never yells. You wouldn't even hear her tone of voice. I swear to God, Eustace was supposed to have been her biological yeah. father. Yeah. She is so gentle. I yeah. guess it's, they say children learn what they live. Yeah. Yeah. She disciplines her children. She will speak to the eldest yeah. one, mm -hmm. and she will say, I'll give you up to 10. She'll go, one, <laughs> two, till she gets to 10. But does that, how does that make you feel? Do, do you feel like, oh, just send her to Sometimes, yes. sometimes. And, yes. and of and course, there are times when our, <laughs> yes. there are times when our eldest granddaughter, because um, she could be a bit manipulative, she likes to have her own way sometimes, and then she will try to have us override mom's decision. Oh, I mean, that, that does happen. Yes, of course. And um, there are occasions, I must admit, when I do go, to battle for her, and I will sort yeah. of appeal to mom to be more lenient and to allow her the freedom, whatever. whatever. How does that go? It usually <laughs> works out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. she's very. I could, she's an older. I, I find a way to sell it, you know. I find a way yeah. to sell it, and yeah, so yes. it works out. Yeah. So you don't feel you're undermining your no, we've, daughter's No, we've never had authority. that kind. No, no. no. And she's no. very respectful of us too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And her husband is too. So that's yeah. where I, I, yeah. I will be speaking about the blessings. Yeah, we, we blessed the that blessings yeah. that you know I have and I see through my children and my yeah. grandchildren. Well, let me put it this way, Deacon Pedro. It's almost as though, well, I think it's almost as though we do pray our children into their marriages, okay? Uh -huh. We do pray them into it. How, what okay? do you mean? I do pray for whichever spouse God will be given to my children. Yeah, he did that from... Yeah. So you did that while they, when they were little? From, yes, yeah, yes. From, I, from the did you I do that them. with them? Yeah, no, 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 not with them. They, these are just flash but, prayers I pray on. Yeah, pray yeah no, no, not with them. They don't know I'm doing this. So. Okay, so last question then, and I know you probably don't have to think about this a lot because 17 years doing marriage prep. What is the one advice that you would give a couple, a young couple that's considering marriage? Uh, I'm big on date night. Really? Date night. Date night. Once yeah. a week? Once a week, date yeah. night. So yeah. we have come to this Friday nights is usually our date night. Good. And sometimes, of course, we can hit a movie on a Tuesday because, mm -hmm. of course, you know, it's... It's cheaper. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we do... No like kids. A, no kids. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we do a movie, most likely, Good. on a Tuesday night. When did you start doing date nights? Is that well, that was a struggle. That was a struggle. Ooh, yeah. So I ha yeah, it was a yeah. struggle. And I mean, something And when the grandchildren came about, well, too, it, it yeah. interrupts our date night. Because yeah. Friday night yeah. is, but we'll is. get a call. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, been yeah. pushing for it for the longest while. But yeah, not that I was hesitant, it's just to make the time and to, to commit, commit time to it, to commit to and it. And yeah. that night doesn't have to mean go out to an elaborate no, dinner, get no. all dressed up. That night could be sometimes we walk on the yeah. broadwalk next but to us by the water. The two of, the two of us only. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go yes. to Tim Hortons, yes. Swiss Chalet, you know, it yeah. doesn't have to be anything significant. Yeah. So there we can share, you yeah. know. Yeah. And watching a movie at home is not a date night. There are always mm. people at the house. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So would you give the same advice or anything absolutely, else? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, um, respect for each other. Yeah. 
Total yeah. respect for Richard. I think respect is a big piece. And also yeah. being my confidant, he always was. Mm -hmm. And I, I must say that I've got the freedom to share with him openly, whether it's negative or positive. And he's very receptive, which is something that perhaps... Well, I, do, I, I do pout a little once in a while. <laughs> no, no, no. Most husbands yes, do. Yes, yes. <laughs> but he takes it on the chin. And yeah. that, 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 that's just a virtue. He's got that, that yeah. very incredible virtue of patience. That was a conversation I had with Deacon Eustace Boussoulet and his wife Gloria earlier this year. You can watch my full conversation with Eustace and Gloria by going to saltandlighttv.org slash perspectives. And that's also where you can watch other interviews I've done on marriage and family and consecrated life. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Joe Morales, with Let Love Take the Lead from his new album, Five. Love is hard. down till you cannot see there's only one way for you to get free let love take the lead you broke your heart and you had to leave turn your faith into disbelief there's only one way for you to get free That was Joe Morales with Let Love Take the Lead from his new album, Five. Now, almost two years ago, we heard from a young singer-songwriter from Pennsylvania who had a new album, Under the Sun. Uh, his name is Joe Morales, and his songs uh, were thought-provoking, memorable, and, and heartfelt. Now, Joe has a new album, Five. It's actually his fifth album, and I'm going to have to ask him if that's why it's called Five. The new album deals with topics such as love, forgiveness, redemption, and overcoming life's obstacles. And to tell us more, I am very happy that Joe Morales uh, joins us now on the line. Joe, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Uh, thanks, Deacon Pedro. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be back on the show. Yeah, good. No, and thanks for uh, for sending us the album and, and for the work that you do. You So it's called Five, and I want to find out more about the album, but 
it, it, it's it's your fifth album because it took me forever to figure out why is it called five? There's six <laughs> songs. Yeah, that that's absolutely correct. It, um, is I've it? recorded um, five independent releases. Um, the last two, in particular, I would say more of my spiritual Christianity side. Yeah. Um, from the music perspective, but yeah, I've recorded about uh, yeah five five recordings, five independent releases over the last fifteen years. Okay, and you have on the cover. The, the light bulb, what's the significance of the, because it makes me think of the light of the earth, you know, we're salt and light, so the light of the earth, and we always use the light bulb, so the the, the, the light bulb that's lit, is that also significant of anything? Yeah, that's, um, it's very difficult to find um, good theme type photos, um, that was a photo that I found um, and utilized for the CD cover, and that does represent the five for the five CDs. Okay. Um, but I think for the light bulb, and I and I used this analogy in another interview that I did. Um, the light bulb going off for me was kind of my last CD. Um, the you know I would say the fourth one where I really feel like topics like redemption, lost love, um, and and overcoming the darkness for me that was kind of a a moment I think on my last CD where the themes really stood out. So I think that's kind of where the light bulb went off. I could have exchanged it into this one, but then it would be, okay, <laughs> what is that? What's the theme behind that one? So yeah. there's a deeper story there, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just for people who don't know the image, uh, so there are four light bulbs that are not lit and one light bulb that's lit, but the one that's lit <laughs> is the fourth one. So that's kind of yep. interesting. Yeah, now, now now, it all kind of makes sense. Now, so so I mentioned that there, there, are, there are these themes, and, and some of these themes were there with your previous album, Under the Sun, but not, I didn't feel that they were there as strong. I don't know. There's something about these, and maybe it's just how it all fits in with the music even, that, that I felt that, especially overcoming life's difficulties and forgiveness, and, and I wondered if how much that was reflective of what's happening or has been happening or had happened in your life during the time that you were working on these songs. Actually, this is, um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I, this approach for this particular group of songs I wanted to continue on with that same concept um, around loss, forgiveness, love. I still think these are fundamental things that um, we as Christians um, need to embrace, um, mm-hmm. ever-evolving, ever-changing. Um, well, as far as the theme forgiveness is concerned, um, and there is a song called Forgiveness on yes. the—forgiven, uh, I'm sorry, um, on this CD— um, and that's really just about reflecting on some scripture. Um, it's all over the Gospels, I mean, Ephesians, uh, Matthew, talking about forgiveness. And I thought about my own life, and I thought, you know, God's forgiven me for all these things that I've done, and it's amazing to me, even as um, a person in the flesh, um, that God would still forgive me after all this time, even if I've, after I've confessed my sins. Um, and it's such a, a joyous moment when you are forgiven and you, and you go to confession and you receive uh, absolution mm-hmm. um, that, that you're, you're kind of uh, embraced in God's love um, more deeper than you can even imagine. But that's one theme. And then the other parts of the theme were about around love um, and overcoming life's obstacles. I had a family member, you just heard that song, Let Love Take the Lead, yes. a family member that went through a difficult time, didn't know what to do. Um, sometimes you see those bumper stickers that say, um, you know, God's my co-passenger yeah, you know, yeah. or co-pilot. co-pilot yeah. um, I tend to say, you know, when this issue came up with this family member, I said, you know, maybe you should just put, let God take the lead and let him, you know, lead your next step, your next next choice. 
um, that's going to happen in your life. So that's, you know, two elements of the CD. You know, I talk about overcoming a life, so obstacles mm-hmm. and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, it's, and, and the love, the love theme for me, I mean, even, even, uh, 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 the 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 we the song the first song we heard actually at the top of the show that uh, I can't think of the name of the church song take church on Sunday uh, church, church downtown church yeah. downtown sorry um it's like it's it feels like a love song there's something about it you know that there's that I thought oh this this guy he's like I want to know who he's writing this song to who who's he in love with um uh and same with high also feels yeah. very much like a love song so uh. And I don't know if that's because it feels yeah, I, it feels absolutely. secular. I can tell you a little bit about those songs. Yeah, um, I co-wrote that song with a guy named Paul Coleman. Um, he's another Christian songwriter um, in Nashville. He's from Australia. He was in a from band the called Newsboys. the Newsboys. Yeah, yeah. And then also um, a band called Paul Coleman Trio. Yeah. Um, the theme of the uh, that song in particular was you know I thought about the church, the body of Christ. Um, we are the church. The church isn't a building. Um, and I thought. Sometimes there's three different people mentioned in this song. Uh, one person might go to work um, as their their place where they find their, um, how do I say this, how do they find the release, the love, the support, um, and or they feel accepted, and right. maybe it's their work. Another person might be the party life where they, they go out and they, they explore all these things like the party life, and mm-hmm. they feel that's where they're accepted and that's where they find their love. Um, but I know the living water. And I know, um, for me, I have to be um, in the presence of Jesus, um, in the presence of prayer, um, deep in prayer. And that's where my, my love comes from. Um, and, and as far as the body of Christ and our fellowship with each other, that's where the love comes from. And I think the term love comes down yeah. is when we ask God, um, you know, again, for forgiveness, for love, for support, for wisdom. Mercy, all yeah. these things that um, he kind of brings into our, into our person and who we are, and they, they make up who we are. So it's just a th- really a theme about different people, um, yeah. different walks of life, and how they, and where they go for, I'd say, for their love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that again, that 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 love that love theme. Um, for I mean, if people are hearing this for the first time now, and they've heard maybe some of the songs, I don't know if the people have been able to hear them from the beginning of the program. But how would you, your music is hard to describe? I, I, how would you? <laughs> I sound like a, like an idiot here, but how would you describe your music? To, to people who've never heard it, like how would you would you put it in a genre? And I um, hate yeah, I kind of don't like doing difficult. that. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I think even in my bio, I mentioned um, it's hard to categorize my music and put it into a category. And I think that's what makes it appealing to the listener. Right. Um, there are a lot of there's a lot of music out there that tends to be the same. Um, fundamentally the same sounds, the same, um, even the same drum beats, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the same themes. So I don't like to categorize myself. I would say um, rock, pop, folk, um, <laughs> inspirational Christian music, absolutely. Like all of the um, above. If I had to categorize myself, yes, that's what I would say. Yeah, I am. yeah. no, it's, it's, it's good stuff. So you are you doing this full-time now? Still not doing full time a day nope. job to support myself. Yes, um, but like it's a, a very big part of my life. Um, takes up a lot of my extra time. I have a family, of course. They're yep. number one. Yep. Um, but you know, my music comes second to that, and my job, of course. Um, but you know, this is my passion, my love, my ministry. Good. So then, are you you're you're able to do some some writing and recording and some performing? I know you have the occasional show here and there, mostly in the Pennsylvania Pennsylvania area, which is where you live, correct? Yep. 
I travel up to New York occasionally, yeah. um, either you know for some mentoring or from for some seminars type stuff. But locally, mostly, um, yeah, here in the Philadelphia region marketplace. Okay, good. And so are you working on something new? Are we expecting a new album uh, in a couple yeah, of years? Yeah, I'm actually, um, this this one just came out, so I'm still supporting that, even though some of the songs are um, a few years old for me that I've written. Yeah. But I'm working on new material right now. I'm thinking of taking um, a, a bit of a departure on the next the next recording I'm actually going to do, um, I'm going to kind of mix it up a little bit, kind of work in some electronic stuff um, and technic, tech, techno, techno kind of sounds uh, into the mix versus just your authentic straight rock, rock, you know, rock beat type yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to mi- mix it up a little bit. Folk meets electronic. Okay, good. I'm looking forward to that. That should be interesting. Joe Morales goes electric. <laughs> electronic. Good. Um, Joe, that's all the time we have, but thanks for uh, for always thinking of us, for always keeping me uh, uh, on top of what you're doing, and, and, and for, for doing what you do, because uh, the ministry is good, the music is good, and, and uh, people are listening. Well, I want to thank you for, for your show. Um, I think this is an inspiration to many people. Um, but for independent artists, Catholic artists that um, maybe don't have a forum or a place to, to talk about their music, um, especially given the fact that commercial radio now rarely plays Christian music yeah. or uh, Catholic music. Um, so it's wonderful that there is a ministry, a place that we have a forum um, to, to air our music. Well, yeah, you're welcome. That's that's what we try to do. So I'm glad that, we're, that you think we're doing it. <laughs> you are. Thank you. All right, Joe. That was Joe Morales. You can learn more about him, his music. You can purchase his music or find out where his next show will be at his website, joemorales.com. And just to be sure, I'm going to post that link on our site so you can find it, but it's Morales, M-I-R-A-L-L-E-S, Morales, joemorales.com. And here now is Joe Morales with Give Him Praise from his new album, Five. We're listening to Joe Morales with Give Him Praise from his new album, Five, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music all day long on our four online Salt and Light radio stations, which are made possible thanks to the wonderful support from all our featured artists and their publishers. So go to our website and learn how you can listen to online or on the go on your mobile devices. Remember, you can always reach me through Facebook or Twitter, Deacon Pedro. Let me know what you think about what you hear on this show. You can also now reach us by sending us a direct voice message through our website. Go to saltandlighttv.org radio and check it out. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your prayers. This program is completely free thanks to donations. So thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Today, so give him
Break the cycle 